the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Six minutes after six on a Tuesday, and I know everything there is to know now about these bidets that you hook to your toilet. Uh, I should never have talked about it on the air yesterday in the last, uh, what, 15, 20 minutes with Ken Yang and uh, with Heidi and about having a bidet in your house. And is it really the the, the end-all, the be-all, you know, appliance now that you got to have? And... Um, I had complained that the only ones I had seen were the ones that's, that, that scored it cold water on your bun. And I got, I bet you yesterday, Elizabeth is here, yesterday I got six ads for ones that warmed the water and it said you didn't, <laughs> you didn't need electricity. And I'm thinking it didn't tell me it was battery operated either. And it's one or the other, because I'm sure not going to sit there on the toilet and rub two sticks together, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm going to do that, trying to warm the water up. I warm the water up. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, it's really weird I'm yesterday. I'm still giggling from yesterday. <laughs> now, now, one said, and I'm, I'm going to quote, one said, we do not use the toilet water, all right? Some people were thinking that they you, you were oh, reusing no. the toilet water, right? It said, you could, if you wanted to, take a drink off of your bidet. And I thought to myself, that's disgusting. That is disgusting. But, you know, <laughs> they connect directly to the water supply yes, it before does. it ever it does. goes into the toilet. That's right. <laughs> the same water, as they said at the end, it's the same water you brush your teeth with. <laughs> it is there. kind of a weird thought. Yeah, it really is. But anyway, uh, I I'm going to I'm going to try one. I'm going to give it a shot because now they've got you know they have inundated me with so many ads. Now I've got to put one on my toilet. I just I got to do this. And it says it only takes ten minutes. Let me tell you what. If they can convince me that I am mechanical enough that I can put one of these on my toilet in 10 minutes. I'm going to hold them to it because I am the most unmechanically inclined guy you'll ever meet. I don't know how that gene passed me up, but it did. You know, it's 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 terrible. Heidi, are you mechanically con- uh uh, you know, you got to, the talent to do things mechanically. I mean, that's that's something that I kind of learned from my dad. Um, 
you know, I have to ask him, be like, hey, dad, how do I change a tire? So in some ways, but in a lot of ways, no, unfortunately. Let me tell you how I taught my children, what my teaching of being mechanically inclined was. (laughs) When When you're putting a, let's say you bought an end table. And it's one of those that you got to put together, and it's got those little locking screws and all of that. I can teach you how you can throw that to the end of your yard as you're putting it together. <laughs> because no IKEA for you, Dave. <laughs> I get yeah, I get so frustrated. When, they, when that stuff just doesn't go together the way they say it's going to get uh, go together. And then they show it all to you in pictures. And no, it ain't like the picture at all. I'm just telling you. It, it, it tries. There's always missing pieces, you know. Yes. It doesn't matter what you There's always missing yeah. pieces. Yeah, those drives me nuts. When you're done. My, my, it, it has taken 29 years, but... In January of this year, my wife was talking to me about uh, putting, trying to do something. I forget what it was here in the house. And she says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want you to do this, right? And I go, really? I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll call. It was something to do. Yeah, it was something to do with plumbing. And I said, I'll call, you know, Aero Plumbing. And they could, she goes, well, Mm -hmm. why would you call Aero Plumbing? And I said, because. My time is worth money as well, and all the time that I will waste trying to do this and as as completely frustrated as I will get trying to do this stuff, I'll just let the professionals do it. I've alluded to this countless times on uh, on the air. Now, I can work on a – well, I used to be able to work on a car. I can't anymore. Too many computers now. But I'm just telling you, I used to be a pretty good shape. Uh, tree mechanic i could change the oil and all that kind of stuff uh not anymore i don't i don't deal with it anymore they uh it's so easy to strip the the you know the the oil plug and all of that i just don't do it and forget about taking an oil pan off and cleaning it out and taking off the transmission pan and cleaning it out not the way it used to be man you got to have some kind of computer read device to do all of that stuff even to put the oil back in your car. You know, there's some uh, some guys like, well, Joe, I tell you, you got to you got to like punch in uh, the computer code for your car. And then the uh, the oil uh, is put in specifically by the computer. It's crazy. Can't do anything on cars anymore. The one thing I could do, Elizabeth, they took away from me. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, now, you know, they say that you only need basic tools, and you can hook these water hoses up very quickly and very easily. Now, I'm not one to speak to it either. I don't oh, yeah. handle power tools. Jack but, laughs. He just but, falls on the floor at me. I can hardly use a screwdriver, so I have to call for help. I have to have somebody to do the mechanical. But you could do this. You could do this. But But here's the key. It says by using just common tools. Is it a common tool for everybody or a common tool for a plumber? <laughs> well, there you go. For me, you know, is it is a plumber's wrench? <laughs> you know, is it one of those big old plumber's wrenches that you need or something like that? I don't, I, I you know, you know what I'll do? I'm going to call my son-in-law and have him put it on. Yeah, he well, he can do all that stuff. He's He looks at it and he goes, oh, yeah, that, 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 that. He says, Pop, no problem. I'll take care of it. And he comes over from the house. I'll make 
I'll make sure he comes over in his hazmat suit. <laughs> it takes all kinds. I mean, you might not want to sit that plumber down behind your microphone for the next 20 years and see how they do a talk radio show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's I mean, it true. might be a little different, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot, of people, a lot of people come on my show and you get done with them and they go, I can't believe you do this. You know, at the time when I was doing afternoon, that you do this four hours a day, five days a week. You do 20 hours of new talk stuff every week. And I go, yeah, I've been doing it for like 35 years. <laughs> oh, now, Mr. Ellswick, you're giving yourself short shrift. We celebrated your 50th year. Yeah, but it wasn't in talk radio. I've been in radio. In radio well, yes. 50 years in the industry. Oh, my gosh. Let me How tell many you, plumbers doing... have been out there for fifty years. Now, Heidi, Heidi... <laughs> and I'm not making fun of plumbers. Plumbers are great. Had yeah, one at my house great. yesterday. Yeah, believe me, you better be glad that we got plumbers, or that back Absolutely. up in your commode may not. It may still be backed up. But anyway, uh, you know, Heidi has been in this business here for a short period of time. I don't, you know, Heidi, has all of your experience been in TV or? Have you been a, a rock and roll DJ or have you DJed at a club? Have you done anything like that? Oh, I wish I was a rock and roll DJ, but um, no, I uh, I've uh, I started off doing some radio in college. You know, got into kind of a, a broadcasting thing there, and uh, I've worked for uh, a couple of the radio stations. You know, um, here in Little Rock, and so uh, now I'm here. And so yeah, I kind of started radio probably when I was about. 20 so i it's been about five years okay that's cool you gave away yeah. your your age i made you give away your age <laughs> <laughs> i don't care age is just a number in my opinion okay well that's good i'm glad you look at it that way i'll uh, i'll ask you that if i'm still around when you hit 65 years old but anyway <laughs> no just just saying uh you know uh i got my start off of of doing uh you know high school sports when i was 16 and then I moved into rock and roll radio because, hey, look, I was a typically a eighteen uh, year old guy on a college campus, and what are eighteen year old guys on colleges uh, college campuses at least back in nineteen seventy one thinking about it. and if if you don't answer women, then you were one of the weird ones on campus. Nothing so, has changed today. Yeah. Nothing has changed. <laughs> you did it. Uh, but I, I learned quickly, just because they sound beautiful when they call you on the phone, don't mean it's that way when you meet. <laughs> <laughs> but you really were a rock and roll DJ. I heard yeah. you say that the other day. Yeah, I was. I still got some shows that I could play for you guys, and it would they would make you laugh. They're pretty funny. I uh, When I was in the Air Force, uh, my shows were hour shows or two-hour shows that, that went on Armed Forces Radio overseas and used as retention. But, man, I got to interview the hit makers of the time. You know, Joan Jett just went into the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and I remember <laughs> inter interviewing her as the opening act at the Astrodome for the Texas Jam uh, that was going on down in Houston, Texas. It was her and Santana and Sticks and a bunch of groups, and uh, they set us up for to interview every one of them. But I remember sitting out backstage. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, with Joan the first time backstage, second time at the Double Tree in San Antonio. <laughs> and I've told you that story, and I can't tell it on the air. But the the bottom line is that. Uh, I knew she was going to be a star. I mean, it was very, very obvious from the way that the uh, 
the people, re- the crowd reacted to her. Uh, they reacted to her like they re- re- uh, reacted when I saw Manfred Mann and, uh, and the Earth Band uh, before. You know, it used to be just Manfred Mann and he was doing the Mighty Quinn and all of that. But yep. then he, he formed his uh, other band, the Earth Band, and great, great group. And they opened up for uh, Uriah Heep in Chicago one time. Mm-hmm. And they were they were called back for five encores by the audience. They were so good. It was amazing how good they were. And finally, the lights went on and the crowd was booing, hissing because Uriah Heep wanted to get on stage. And because they had they had it was the what was the album Wonderland was that the one that they looked like they had them dressed up kind of like Greek gods on pedestals and the clouds were below them and all that. And uh, they came out and opened up with Easy Living, which was a huge, huge hit. And the audience began to boo them and throwing their chairs on the stage. Uh, Uriah Heap played for about 20 minutes, and then they called it quits. They were afraid they were going to get lynched, tarred, feathered, lit on fire. You know, it was, it was bad. They wanted, they wanted Manfred Mann back. It was amazing. It was, that was one of the craziest nights of concerts I ever been to. You know, we had, that we, wild. yeah, it was wild. We, we had a, 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 you know, a great thing happen over 50 years ago called Woodstock. You remember that, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was going to go to that, and then I, I had to go work at the uh, the steel mill. They screwed up my plans. and But my buddy and a couple of my buddies went, and they came back, and all they could talk about was how great it was. I saw the movie. Uh, I saw the movie, watched it, was so blown away with the segment with uh, uh, 10 years after. And oh, going yeah. home, I walked out of the theater, went around the theater because you went out the back of the theater went around got back in line and bought a (laughs) ticket again and went back in the theater to watch it a second time Uh, that segment was so powerful i want to see it again but i've heard on the the grapevine and maybe i should get steve marston on to talk about this from our sister station the fish but i'm hearing that uh, next year not this year but next year there's going to be a uh, christian a huge Christian, uh, uh, you know, uh, open air like Woodstock? Woodstock type event, which uh, I mean, they've done like in Chicago Cornerstone Festival and all of that. But this would be one where they're looking to, you know, to get a half a million people there to see these groups perform. That would be amazing to go see. I got to think that would be really amazing to see what do you think all christian artists all christian yes. artists yes oh wow where and where I, where do they think this would happen they're not <laughs> they're they've they've not been able to identify an area they need they need a max yasger to to step up it sounds like to me yeah that's uh, well we also need a vaccine I think you know, we need a vaccine before we can well, do this. Well, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with yeah. you on that. I'm saying that you can't do it while we're in the in the height of a pandemic or whatever. But still, kind of interesting Amazing. that they're looking to do this. I think this would be cool. Heidi, would you go to something like that? Would you get them, you know, get in, you know, half a million people to go to some mm-hmm. huge, huge Christian contemporary Woodstock? I mean, that sounds like fun. Uh, I know I've been to uh, a couple of the winter jams in the past, and those, those, are, been good. those are a oh, heck yeah. of a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that, think I'd about, be down. Think about this. That's only about 15,000 people 
Think half a million people. <laughs> oh, Think yeah. half a million people worshiping together. That would be incredible. Count me in. The I'm log- just saying. The logistics. The logistics is what I think about because, of course, Dave, as you know, Woodstock was a total disaster when it came to ingress, egress, you know, sanitary conditions, hygienic, you know, taking care of the people that fell ill. It was a mess. Yeah, but and the I people who fell, the people who again, fell ill, people who fell ill was because of the bad acid. Okay, I'm not expecting okay, bad bad acid at a, at a Christian Woodstock. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, All right, hey, it's well, a, it's a. Go, we're going to take a break. I'll come back to this. It's 22 minutes after six. We're getting. I'm getting talking and chasing a rabbit, and I'm getting pa- away from the time. Uh, today, cloudy skies, possible thunderstorm sometime in the afternoon, high of 79. Uh, tomorrow, your hump day is looking awesome. Uh, partly sunny, warmer. Uh, in the evening, though, we might see a severe thunderstorm. 87 degrees for a high. And then Thursday, uh, and this is why we're talking thunderstorms, cooler uh, sun and clouds and the high on. Now, remember, tomorrow is supposed to be 87. Thursday, 67. Little Rock right now, 63 degrees. Conway Cabot, 64. Uh, Hot Springs at 61. And the hot spot right now in central Arkansas Pine Bluff, 66 degrees. Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. 27 minutes after 6. It is a Tuesday. Oh, it was hard dragging myself out of bed this morning. It really was. Usually that's my Wednesday. But um, I was having some problems sleeping last night. And uh, Linda told me that. Her legs were bothering her last night, and so she was kicking her covers off and stuff. So maybe that's what was going on. But we were talking during the break. I just got a really cool uh, little uh, message. And, and Jack, I'm glad you're doing better uh, health-wise, and uh, you'd be doing your social distancing, uh, my man. He says, I think I saw the Grateful Dead in San Francisco in 1966. I don't really remember. And I understand what you're saying, Jack. I saw the Grateful Dead in 1971 at the Chicago Amphitheater. And I can honestly say that is the only concert I went to that you didn't have to bring any illicit drugs with you because everybody else brought the illicit drugs and there was enough for everybody and i also remember you t- i remember of not really remembering i don't remember that whole show that's true me and a buddy that worked out at the steel mill together during the summertime uh to pay for our college uh yeah we went to that and they're incredible they were incredible. I mean, Jerry's gone now, and, and some of the other members of the original Dead are gone. But uh, when they played, they started, I think, at 7 o'clock in the amphitheater, and they wrapped up the concert at midnight. Midnight, all right? Marathon. about that. Yeah, that's the way they played. Now, I understand that fish is the same way now, or pish or whatever they call themselves, that they have that that whole kind of free-form jam that they do uh, when they're in in concert. So, anyway, real quickly, i got a minute to go here, um, and we're going to pick this up again after we get back uh, from the break. Heidi, let me ask, best concert that you remember you've seen thus far? 
Ooh, it was probably um, Huey Lewis and the News at Riverfest. That was surprisingly really, really good. And they went super long. Like, they had, like, five encores. They played all of their hits. That was a lot of fun. You know, I got a new drug. I love that song. I still love that song. It's a great song. You know, he can't uh, he can't sing anymore. I forget what disease he has, but he can't sing anymore, which is really, really Aww. sad. Uh, let's get to the news, and then when we come back, we'll find out Elizabeth's favorite concert she ever went to. And I'll tell you mine when we get back on the Dave Ellswick Show. 25 minutes till 7 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It is a Tuesday. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't have a lot of new news for you dealing with, uh, you know, the virus about uh, well, the governor and his uh, plan for the state or anything like that, other than to say school's done for the year. That's the big thing that came out of the uh, governor's presser yesterday is that your children will not go back to school the rest of this year. Next time possibly would be, I guess, in August. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if maybe they don't start school a little earlier next year. I don't know how much earlier they can start it, but they might and be uh, be able to catch up with some of the stuff they didn't get to do at the end of this year. Uh, just about every school district I've heard from have canceled graduations where you're going to have big groups of people and stuff. I feel sorry for these kids that aren't going to get to do that. I'm sorry for the kids that are playing high school sports, and maybe this is the year that their baseball team or their track team or uh, whatever sport it is have put together a team uh, you know they're loaded this year they had a shot a real shot at winning the state title and they're not going to get to go for it i i mean that breaks my heart i know how much you've worked i know how much you've uh pushed to get there i know how much the the coaches have put in and you're going to get screwed out of it this year it's just it is the way that things are right now and uh you know those are the things that go through my mind because I played a lot of sports when I was in high school. Uh, I played, I, I was in, the, uh, I was a thespian. I acted on stage. I sang in the choir. I wrote for the school newspaper. I was one of those guys that did a little bit of everything. And so I, I was kind of the weird guy kind of hard I, hard for me who did i hang out with because you know the choir people didn't want to hang out with football guys who i hung out with because <laughs> i played football with them and the and the choir people didn't really want to be with the people who were on the stage because both of them thought they were both weird so you know i got kind of caught in the midst of all of that and it was kind of weird because i had friends in all of those i've got a guy that's going to come in sometime in the future once this uh, virus stuff is done his name is bill allen and uh, he was a senior at highland high school when i was a sophomore he's written a book that we're going to talk about that is very good and he's going to be on his book tour uh, here in, in Little Rock, and he's going to come on the show. And we, we'll talk about that because he was the same way that I was. And, I mean, I, I still talk to his old girlfriend, Sally Newberry, who lives down in the Dallas area now. So uh, it's, careful it's, now. Yeah, I know. I, 
That ain't going to come back together again. I'm just telling you. But the bottom line, um, it was. Uh, it's going to be fun having him on. You'll probably hear some stories about me that I didn't want anybody to talk about. But we'll uh, we'll we'll get together and do that. That's in the in the future. But when we left, I was talking about uh, things like uh, concerts and stuff. And so we'd gotten to you, uh, Ms. Elizabeth. And what was what is your all-time, the, the concert that you saw that uh, you wish you could go back and see again? Well, it has to be two of them, okay? One right. was Little Feet and Bonnie Raitt in Ooh. Memphis at the Orpheum in the late 70s. Ooh. And it was oh out of this world. Yeah. The floor, they, at, at the Orpheum, they used to cover the orchestra area, you know, with a floor when it was time for concerts. We were all on the floor of that concert hall, jumping up and down. The floor was literally moving three feet up and down with the crowd. It's a wonder we didn't crash through it. It was incredible. They were awesome. I'd never seen Bonnie Raitt in my life before, and she oh, she's was so, so good. But Little Feet is probably my very favorite all-time band. My really? You like, most- you, you, like, you like Dixie Chicken oh. then, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> they were awesome. They were just awesome. And I'm so sorry that they're, that they're gone now. Yeah. Uh, the other one was Alice Cooper, the Dead Babies Tour in the All right. Billion Dollar Babies and stuff. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have never in my entire life. This was when he was doing the guillotine tricks on stage and all the gruesome yeah. imagery, and it scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> yeah, cutting, cutting the heads of the babies awesome. off. When he was singing oh, yeah. Dead Babies. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was gruesome. It was gruesome. And that's not really my cup of tea, never has been. But the music yeah. and the, st- you know, the performance, the stage, just the show was fabulous. Yeah. All right. My all-time, it's a tie. All right. Two groups. All right. I saw <laughs> it, the first one about 1966. 667 at the Chicago Auditorium again. I saw Steppenwolf open for the Doors. Oh, oh so I got, oh. I got to see Jim Morrison and the Doors live, and it was on one of the nights that Jim Morrison was on. And if anybody's ever had seen the Doors live, you know what I'm talking about. He had a real struggle yep. with alcohol, and he would come on the stage sometimes and couldn't remember any of the songs. Well, the night that I saw him, he was fired up and ready to put on a show. And have you ever seen the movie The Doors by uh, Stone? Yes. That he did? Okay. You know that 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 one scene where all the people are at his concert and they're dancing and they got the fires lit and all of that. I'm telling you, it was they didn't have the fires lit, but people were dancing around the the, the auditorium. It was he really was a shaman and was quite the charismatic uh, performer. And then the other uh, great great concert I saw, they opened for themselves, they played themselves, and then they closed for themselves. And that was down at the Louisville Fairgrounds when I was in college. This was in about seventy two, seventy three. And I saw Led Zeppelin, and I'll never forget Led Zeppelin in concert. They were just incredible. And then a close second to those two were Emerson, Emerson Lake, and Palmer, who were fantastic in their own right. So anyway, those are the concerts that I saw that really, really stand out. But 
Man. Back when music was really good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, look, who are they still listening to today? I mean, I mean, people still listen to Zeppelin almost religiously, and the same thing with The Doors, you know? I, was, I forget what movie I was watching. It just came out not more than uh, a couple of months ago, and the song that they were playing at the... Uh, at the end of the of the movie was "This Is the End" by The Doors. Just yes. uh, good music, you know, in, incredible. Really, really. Are are have we lost you already, uh, Heidi? Are are you <laughs> lost on the music I'm talking about? Not at all. Um, okay. I really like the the Doors, and uh, my dad, in fact. He, I, d- I can't quite remember where he was, and I, I it, this was probably back in the 70s or so, but he saw the last 10 seconds, 10 seconds uh-huh. of a Leonard Skinner concert. Oh, I no. don't know how oh. that happened, but yeah, he was like, oh. they missed the last bit of it, and they were like, okay, we're Leonard Skinner, good night. Yeah, oh, he no. saw he saw the very end. He saw the very end of Freebird then, because that's the last song they always play. That was always the last song. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He heard the tweeting probably <laughs> at the end. But yeah, that's that's very cool. Yeah, that, that's great. And and Leonard that's when Leonard Skinner really was Leonard Skinner. All right, the Leonard Skinner you see now is not the Leonard Skinner of the past it just isn't you know i don't know i don't even know if they still have one living member in that group i, I have no idea around. i mean it's like going to see some of these these groups that are that are playing uh now that are the you know classic rock groups and you got you know one member of the original group still in it i mean i went and saw the who the last time they came through only because uh, you know, Entwistle and Moon had both died by then, but Townsend and Daltrey were there. And to be honest, if we are all honest, they were the two main movie yeah. entities of the Who. They had, uh, you know, Daltrey was a singer and uh, and a writer as well, as was uh, Townsend. Townsend did most of the orchestrations that they had and, and most of the music that they did. Moon and Intwistle did some of the early stuff, but, um, you know, they got Ringo Starr's son uh, to play the drums for him, and I, I forget who became the bass player for him, but uh, uh, they were very, very talented and very, very good as well. Now, maybe didn't have the same you know, personal feel uh, that uh, Intwistle and, and Moon had. Because I, I, I saw the Who in Chicago as well back in the early 70s. The group I would really like to see now uh, is uh, Tommy James and the Shondells. And they, the Shondells, really? now, they don't tour with Tommy anymore, but he's got a backup band that is a, a great backup band. But he's still, you know, the man. I mean, he has written so much music uh, that uh, could act as kind of, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the screenplay music for my life. I mean, you know, Dragging the Line and I Think We're Alone Now and Moni Moni and all the other great songs that he wrote. Uh, Red Cherry Wine and I can go on and on. The guy is is amazing of what he's done in music. And he's out uh, touring this summer, I don't, I know, and I don't know if they're bringing him in here in the central Arkansas anywhere 
or not. If anybody's heard about him being here, please let me know because I want to go see him. I, I really want <laughs> to go see him. Uh, I, the last time I saw him was in a place called, uh, was a little club in Portage, Indiana. And this was back in the 60s when I was a junior, uh, no, a sophomore in high school. So that would have been 69. So, yeah, he was, he was, he was the bomb back then and still is. Uh, I could go back and read some of the other uh, songs that he's written that other people have done. And it would just blow your mind. It'd rock your world. The guy is just incredible. It really is. All right, 14 minutes to 7. Enough about this. I've, I can get, as Elizabeth knows, she's had lunch with me before, and we get talking about this stuff, and I can go on and on and on. Music and movies are a huge part of my life. I mean, a big, big part of my life. So we'll move away from that. When we come back, I want to talk to you about our governor a little bit, because I think some people are giving him a lot of grief that he doesn't deserve. We'll talk about it when we return on the Dave, excuse me, Dave Ellswick show. Going up to a high of 79 tonight, uh, today, 63 degrees right now in Little Rock and Conway Cabot, 64. Pine Bluff is around 66 degrees. Let's get your traffic for you. That's up here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. My baby does the hanky pain. I thought I'd play a little bit of that for you all. You remember that song. And if you don't remember it, you should. And you should go out and buy you a copy uh, off the Internet. Get yourself uh, Tommy James's Greatest Hits. Some of the songs that he uh, wrote that was not done by him, one in particular was The Smiths. And they did a song called Tighter and Tighter. Which was oh, a huge, yeah. was a huge, huge hit for them. Uh, he just wrote a lot of music, and the guy is so talented. Uh, Crystal Blue Persuasion, a lot of people will remember that. Crimson and Clover, you know, he did something in 1980. No other artist has done since. Are you ready? You ready for this? A little bit, a little known fact. Remember this, Heidi. Next time you're playing Trivia Pursuit or some game like that, Tommy James is the last artist to have three other artists cover his music and get into the top ten of uh, the charts. They were Joan Jett with uh, Crimson and Clover. You had uh, Billy Idol with Moni Moni and Tiffany doing I Think We're Alone Now. All of those songs were top ten songs at the exact same time on the charts. No other writer or musician has not even the Beatles has ever done that. That's pretty incredible, and that's really an incredible uh, thing. He's his genre is known as psychedelic pop, and if you listen to Crimson and Clover, oh yeah, he was fantastic, and he still is. He's still touring. He's still doing his thing. And that, uh, like I said, if he if they ever, I I would expect that I wouldn't see him like in in. Um, you know Simmons Arena. You might see him downtown at the at the arena down there, or you might see him like out 
in Hot Springs once they get the uh, the large uh, uh, venue they're building out there for their uh, you know their mecca of gambling. You might see Tommy James and the Shondells come out and do a show there. Uh, if they come to any of those places close, so they go to UCA, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there, and I'll be dancing with everybody else that's there because that's the other thing that was great about his his uh, music. It was it was very danceable, uh, even at the time well, the, when it wasn't. You know, other music wasn't. Go ahead. The thing I remember is that you would go to a concert and maybe the opening act you'd never heard of before. Oh yeah! But all of a sudden, but all of a sudden, within just a few weeks, they're exploding across the charts. Because, mm-hmm. of course, there was nothing but radio. There was no social media. There was, you know, they weren't on television a lot. It was just people going to concerts and then word of mouth. And it was just exploding music all over the country. Well, yeah, New I've, music was, all over I've, the country. And nobody, you know, you would go and hear things and just go nuts. And now when you go to a concert, you kind of think you know what you're going to hear. Well, of course, because that's how they're making their music, their money now. They can't make it selling their music because, you know, people are buying uh, singles off of, you know, Apple or whoever they're buying their music off of. And what what are they selling them for? Ninety nine cents or something. Yeah. You, can't, yeah. you can't make decent money doing that. So they make their money touring. I mean, they're, I've read too many uh, articles now. Uh, with former rock and rollers saying it is incredible that they got a mount a, a major tour uh, to be able to make uh, a real good living at performing uh, their own music. And uh, we had been talking during a break, and Elizabeth told me something that was cool. I've got some old, old T-shirts from old, old concerts. Like I think the oldest I got is uh, I've got a Steppenwolf T-shirt somewhere. But I, I do have one from uh, Pink Floyd Animals, uh, the tour they did, the Animals tour that they did. And she made the suggestion, I like the suggestion, is to clip out uh, the picture on the front. And then if they got like, the run on the back of the, the tour, what cities it went to, uh, clip that oh, off yeah. the back and have it may have somebody who does, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's what are those blankets called? that you either, can have? either a wall hanging or a quilt. A quilt, so that you yeah. can hang it on your wall and see all of that and enjoy it again. I've seen that done. It was a really neat wall hanging that was. That would done. be cool. The wall hanging would probably be better. I, for I'd your be af- for your man cave, you know. Yeah, I'd be <laughs> well. I'd be afraid that I'd start having you know really vividly colored dreams if I had uh, <laughs> some <laughs> some kind of blanket that was covering me with Pink Floyd and and uh, Atomic <laughs> Rooster and people like that. I. Things might get a little weird in my dreams on, on stuff like that. Okay. Smoke on the Water, Dave. Who was okay. the group? I can okay. remember the song. Deep Purple. That's right. Thank you very much. I see the Deep picture Purple. of the album in my head. John that Lord, awesome. Ian Gillen. Real big at that time. You know, You're making me guys. think of things that I hadn't thought about in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you come back at 8 o'clock and ask, ask me to tell you the story about smoking on the water, and I will uh, because I interviewed... Uh, Rainbow, who was really nothing more than a reincarnation of Pink Floyd. Ian Gillen was the drummer and the singer, and you had Richie Blackmore playing the guitar. And uh, now I can't think, of the, I can't remember the bass player's name now, who went on to produce Judas Priest and a bunch of other groups. But uh, he was there, and I sat down with him and Ian Gillen, 
and talk to them about riding smoke on the water. And it's a it's a really wow. a great, great story about how that all it, I mean, they, they tell it all. They tell it all uh, in the in the song. I mean, it really had to do with Frank Zappa and the mothers and all of the rest. They burned the place down to the ground that they were supposed to do a, uh, a recording of, of their album and ended up couldn't do it there. And the Rolling Stones stepped in for them and they went to an old church and they put some mattresses up in the windows and stuff and used the Rolling Stones mobile studio to record that seminal album, which was an incredible rock and roll album we're out of time uh let's get the news on bible guys coming up next and then uh, elizabeth be back with me coming up at eight o'clock with us from Agape Church, Pastor Scott Stewart, and Billy uh, Miller is here, and uh, he uh, tore him away, himself away from uh, uh, Tucker Unit and joins us today, and uh, Steve, Steve is here. Steve, it's good to have you with us, uh, Steve Hess, who uh, has been working uh, early mornings. Uh, are, you, are you done doing that for a while? No, no, I just, uh, matter of fact, I'm on my way there right now. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit, you're going in a little later than you had been going in. All right. Yep. I'm going to let all three of you know that I, I've i had five questions, but four of them deal with the exact same uh, subject. I find that, that e- interesting, but when something like this pandemic happens all over the world, people start thinking about God's judgment. And that's what uh, the basic uh, question is uh, to start us off. And I'm going to kind of just let you guys freeform it, so to speak. I'll let you start talking about it and see what you have to say. We've already had this question, and we've talked about it a little bit in the past. It says, I know you guys have discussed this before. Now, this is, this is a question. I took four questions and put it together, okay? They say that they know that we've discussed this before. They are wondering if you could comment again about the virus being a judgment for from God or not. And also, and this was a little addition that went on uh, from people, why didn't any of the prophets in the land today forewarn us about it before it happened? Isn't that their job? Question mark. So we got, that's a pretty crazy question for you guys to start off with i hope you've had your coffee this morning Uh, (laughs) let me let me start off with you scott all right you go ahead yeah well i've had two cups of coffee so i should be all right (laughs) um yeah i'll just kind of work from um from the uh the the back of the question uh for uh, up so about the prophets in the land uh that's a real that's a really good observation um, I would say this that there had there were a there were a couple at least that I'm aware of that did 
uh, talk about this back in the fall of last year. Um, so I wouldn't say uh, that none of the prophets were aware of this, uh, but certainly most of them didn't um, didn't hit it, um, and and that is that is problematic. I think, and I think there's a couple of reasons for for that. Um, you know, a lot of times prophets will kind of prophesy like what the next year will be like, and if and if you're a prophet and you prophesied about 2020 and you didn't hit any of this. Uh, I think we have to really question a lot of things about that particular uh, particular prophecy. Uh, I think part of the problem with it is that a lot of people, and maybe Steve will agree with this or not, I don't know, but I think many prophets, if, if, they, if they hear God saying something to them about the upcoming year, and what God is saying does not jive with their theology. In other words, you know, if, 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 God, if they feel God is saying there's some, some judgment coming on the land— but their theology is, but God's already judged everything with Jesus, so judgment is uh-huh. over now. Then they can't. Then even though they feel it, they don't dare utter it because it it doesn't jive with their with their theology. And and I think sometimes that's why a lot of these guys don't prophesy what they're feeling because they're pushing their what they're feeling in the spirit through their theology. So instead of changing what God is saying, they should change the theology, and um, and a lot of people don't want to let go of their of their theology. I'll say this also before I get over to Steve. You know, we had a guy in our church who functions very much in the prophetic, and back in 2016, he said that there was judgment coming on the land, and Steve may remember this: judgment was coming on the land, but that God was giving us a four-year reprieve. Now, that was back in 2016. So we took that prophetic word, and we said, okay, the prophet's spoken, so we're going to get our church out of debt so that when 2020 rolls around, if God does not give us another reprieve, we know judgment's coming, and our church is going to be positioned to survive whatever that judgment might look like. So we actually praised God and glory to His name. On December 31st, 2019, we paid off our $2.6 million debt so we could go into 2020 ready if that four-year reprieve was not extended and lo and behold here we are today interesting all right steve your take um i absolutely agree uh with what scott was saying that there was a few guys that were talking about it back in the fall and i absolutely agree that what he said so many people push not only prophetic words but their theology through their theology <laughs> and, yeah. you know, they when they, when they read the word of god they don't read the word of god um, for what it is, they read it through the lens of their belief. And there, and just like Pastor Scott was saying, there's a lot of people that just don't view that God does these kind of things today. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there that I wouldn't go so far to call them false prophets, but I would go so far as to say that they need to be more cautious before they start throwing around the name of God when God says God says, because I say things like when stuff like this happens, how come there wasn't more voices? that were declaring that this was coming. There were some, but maybe it's because um, it's the same thing that happened to Israel. What happened to them when they said, hey, hey, don't prophesy to us bad things. Only prophesy us the good things. So the guys that have these voices usually don't have the platform of big churches, big television ministries, because people turn the channel. They don't want to hear that God still holds them accountable to their actions, to their words, and to their deeds. They don't want to hear that. Is whether or not this is specifically a judgment 
I view how God does things, and this old, this old wise man once explained it to me this way, that when we have things like this happen, it's not necessarily that God has um, ordained it or brought judgment, but he simply just backed off and begins to yeah. fulfill what Romans 1 speaks about, that he goes, hey, if this is what you want, I'm going to turn you over to it. I'm going to turn you over to a world without me, a world that will be in chaos, a world that will kill one another. And so it's not maybe necessarily his judgment, but him just stepping back going, you can have the world that you want since you don't want me in it. That's kind of how I I, I view some of this stuff. All right, Billy, what's your take? Yeah, no, I I agree with all that. uh, All that has been said there. I, 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 we certainly heard some voices. There were certainly some people saying, um, you know, 2020 is not going to be a great year. Uh, and we were hearing that as early as four years ago or so. Uh, and the, the whole idea, we, we all see, we all see the world through a particular set of lenses um, based on the life that we've lived and the things that we believe. And I think, um, I think the the separation that has to happen, I mean, and that's that's true for Scott and Steve and I as well. Uh, the thing that has to happen, though, is you have to be willing to uh, accept the fact that there are still things you're wrong about. And once you're once you come to the position where you realize there are still things you're wrong about, you become teachable, and you don't automatically assume you're always right. And when you do that, you can begin to look around and examine Scripture, the world, whatever it is. Um, and try to pierce through the denominational glasses you're wearing, the the history that you you've had. You can begin to try to look at scripture and say, okay, what does it what does it really say here? Um, and, and I think when we begin doing those things, we can get a little clearer, clearer view. And, and I think what has been described by by Stephen Scott is exactly what has happened. I think there are people out there who felt in the spirit that things were going to not be uh, great this year, and um, very much. I mean, I've heard pastors in the last, I've heard at least three different pastors in the last, uh, say, six or eight weeks who have flat out said, God does not do, quote, evil things. And while that's true, um, punishment is not evil. Punishment is the natural consequences of our disobedience, is the, is the natural consequence of our evil. So um, when you try to, to, to link these two, well, God couldn't be sending something to judge us because that would be evil and God doesn't do evil. You've made a bad leap in logic there, and uh, I I think that's part of what's going on out there. All right, 16 minutes after 7. Scott, I heard you take a breath. Did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, I can wait till after the break, Dave. Okay, let's get our break in. When we come back, I also want to theologically ask you about something that you said uh, in your answer, Scott, and that some people feel like with Christ's death on the uh, the cross, he's forgiven everything. So why would he punish us for anything? Well, let's mm-hmm. let's talk about that because I think that's wrong theology. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's the Bible, guys. If you still have a question, uh, email it to me at uh, Bible Guys at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com. Or you can even call us at 823-0965 and the guys will answer you in real time. A quick break and then more on 1011 FM, The Answer. 
All right, so we're talking about judgment. There's people who are asking, is this a judgment of God, of what the coronavirus is doing and all the rigmarole that's going on right now uh, around the world and the the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who have died uh, from this particular uh, virus. Uh, Scott, you made an interesting uh, uh uh, statement that some people say that God's not judging like that anymore because of the work of Christ on the cross. I see the work of Christ on the cross as being a uh, a work that is indicative for each person, not in a corporate way, because if that were the case, then the world itself would be perfect right now. And, and we know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's not perfect. Uh, I think that's wrong theology. What's your thought about that? No, I, yes, I agree. I think that that is a big part of the problem. They believe, because we know that uh, what Messiah did on the cross was a complete redemption, but it was only redemption for those for those who trusted in uh, the cross. Uh, that's and if correct. you don't trust in the cross, then you're under judgment. Um, it's just like, you know, the Bible, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, uh, just like just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw on all men unto me. And of course, what happened in the desert is when they, when Moses lifted up that serpent on a pole, only those who looked on it and believed were healed. If you didn't do it, then you then you died from the uh, from the snake bite wounds. You have to the only the redemption only applies to those who embrace it. And so, and this is of course individual. Uh, it's not related to um, national um, sin. So you would be completely right on that. And I think, but I think some people do believe because Jesus took the sin of the world on himself, and they look at it that way, he took the sin of the world, and so therefore the world is no longer under judgment because judgment fell upon mm. Jesus. Mm. And, and they use those words in that way. And, and those are biblical words. But the only way it works for you is if you've accepted that um, atonement in your life, then it applies uh, personally, because we know the Bible tells us that the people perish, you know, without Messiah if they don't accept Him. Uh, you know, going back to the whole idea of judgment, you know, if we think about it in a Hebrew way, word, uh, the, the the way that um, I'm sorry, the the Hebrew word for judgment is is mishpat, but the Hebrew word for judgment is also exactly the same word as justice. And yep. for God, justice and judgment are exactly the same thing. And everybody in Christianity would say, we want justice. But what they just said is, we want judgment, because it's, it, right. it, it, it's the same thing in the mind of God. And if you don't like this, if you're listening right now, and you don't like this whole talk about judgment, and most of the people who don't like the judgment talk, they're the same people who preach readily about sowing and reaping, and have no problem saying, if you sow a lot, you re- reap a lot. If you sow little, you reap little. And if we can look at it that way, then fine. If you want to sow sin in your life, if you want to sow disobedience, then guess what? You're going to reap negative things in your life. You can look at it as judgment or just sowing and reaping. But I think America has sown a lot of bad seed. The world has sown a lot of bad seed. And if you believe in sowing and reaping, then you're going to be believing also that a lot of bad return has come into people's lives. 
Yeah, I just I just listen to that though, and I go back to the to the natural world. I mean, there's coming a time when the natural world will be the way it was supposed to be. It'll be perfect. The lion will lie down with the lamb, etc. I'm not yeah. seeing any of that right now. So that tells me, you know, that the the blessing of God and, and His forgiveness is an individual thing, dependent upon accepting that word at work, and uh, it, you know. The world groans under the sin of uh, the people that are living on it. Yeah, the one one thing that a couple things that we forget that are in the New Testament. There was a couple people called Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to Peter. They lied to the Holy Spirit, and they dropped dead before Peter's feet. That's right. This was this was after the cross. This is New Testament, and then go read the seven letters to the seven churches. So that means the seven believing communities and see how Jesus addressed them in the sin that they had in their churches. He said that he was going to take away their lampstand and he was going to throw them out. Yeah, I can't remember which church it said that to, but there was a there, there was a place to where he starts dealing with when the churches have sin in them. And that's what he was dealing with in those seven churches. So it's not just an Old Testament concept. And it also it's not also an eternal salvation thing, it, you know, because we can have a debate, and we've, we've had that discussion about once saved, always saved. And I always go back to the idea of Israel. Israel went into the promised land, but God said he, they would always be his people. If the sun and the moon and the stars were in the sky, they'd always be his people. But he said, hey, if you don't do what I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whoop you and throw you out of the land. And, and yeah. it doesn't mean he threw them away as his people, but he held right. them accountable to what they took upon. And this nation, more than any other nation in modern times, has no excuse because the gospel is all over the place. So we know God's standards and God's word. Now, I would say over the last 10 to 20, maybe even 30 years, we've watched that diminished, and we've watched seeker-friendly and and soft preaching kind of numb some people to it. But I, I definitely think God's trying to get our attention here. Okay. Billy, did you want to add in anything at all of what we've been talking about? No, we're right on point there. Uh, I absolutely think that we are. Now, the the original question, is this specific virus a punishment from God? I have no idea. God has not uh, invited me into the the war room in heaven to say what's going on up there. But uh, does God punish uh, his children? Absolutely. Um, If it would be it would be the ultimate insult for my father, who loves me more than anyone else, not to correct my behavior when my behavior is wrong. Um, it, it would it would be God saying he didn't truly love me if he did not correct me. If he was willing to leave me in my sin and not try to call me out of that and to to apply a little discipline if I'm not if I'm not willing to listen in the moment, um, it, it would it would not be a healthy relationship between me and my heavenly Father. So yes, I absolutely believe that that God can and does punish. Uh, as for this specific event, um, I I simply don't know yet. All right. We've got about three minutes before we get to the bottom of the hour. Rush will be around to give us his thoughts for the day. Uh, when we come back, here's the question that we'll, we'll uh, wrestle with, guys. Uh, our listener says, I was wondering what the Bible guys think of all the constitutional violations happening around the country when it relates to pastors being arrested from their churches and from abortion clinic, 
clinics, etc., being left open. Also, I'd like to hear Dave's thoughts on the constitutionality of all these seemingly violations, right to assemble, speech, etc. Uh, we'll deal with that. We can talk about it. I talked a little bit about it at the beginning of last hour, uh, and uh, I'll just say what Blackwell said, the great Supreme Court justice, that the Constitution is not a suicide pack. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll jump off from there when we talk about that. I see people that I think are, are wrong, and they're on the far right, and I to tell you that I see people that are wrong, and they're on the far left of the pack. So we'll sit and, and see, is there a middle ground that we can all uh, uh, kind of uh, rally around? And I, th- I think there is, and we'll talk about that. I'd, I would like to hear, uh, Scott, you talk a little bit about, you know, what are churches supposed to do? Like, for instance, I'll just bring up the jo- this Jonesboro church when the governor said no big meetings of a, of a bunch of people inside, uh, you know, churches. And they were going to still go ahead and have church. And the governor kind of warned them about it. And they backed down. Uh, you know, what is how should the church react to that? I mean, uh do we react yeah. as believers and say that uh, the Lord will uh, protect us and we go in and worship him anyway, uh, feeling that we're protected by divine protection? And we say to the earthly rulers, you're wrong on this one. Uh, that's a great question to be discussed. Yeah, and, and we can do that when we come back here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. So the the Bible guys are going to be with us in the next half hour. I've gotten another question that has been sent to me. Uh, I will read that to you guys as well after we get to the next one that we got to already deal with on constitutionality and churches and all of that. Then if uh, there's anybody else that wants to ask a question, if you call... 823-0965. Talk to uh, Heidi. Tell her your question. She'll write it down. She'll send it to me. I'll bring it up on the show. Or you can email me at BibleGuys at SalemLR. That's S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com. All right. Rush is ready to go. Let's turn to him. All right. We're back. Bible guys are here. Uh Steve, has, did you pull over the side of the road or something, Steve? Or are you in the parking lot or whatever? Because the sound of the wind is gone. Yeah, I pulled over uh, um, and just sitting here now for the last 30 minutes. Okay. Well, you've got a nice, quiet place. It's uh, It sounds great. Scott Stewart is here, pastor of Agape uh, on Sunday. How are you guys doing worship, uh, Scott? We are doing uh, Passover in the parking lot. We have uh, I have uh, purchased a low-voltage uh, AM radio transmitter, so the people will park throughout the parking lot, and they'll tune their radios into our channel, and I will preach through their radios while everybody's sitting in the seclusion of their car. Oh, that's very cool. Good job, uh, uh, New New Life Church. We're doing it all on YouTube and stuff now, and yeah. uh, Facebook. Uh, I watched Rick Bazette last week. Uh, the whole church as a whole across uh, uh, Arkansas watched on YouTube, and that was that was great. And we had communion together and, and whatnot. Billy, how are how are how are you guys? Uh, well, you're going to oh, out there to Agape as as that goes. What what's happening though in the prison? The prisons have been closed down. Um, there are no services being held for anyone at the prison right now. Uh, part of their, you know, 
prisons aren't necessarily known for having the best health care in the world anyway, so um, they have to do a, uh, their best to keep this completely out of the prison system, uh, period, because it would just run wild there. So uh, they were actually, they actually stopped services pretty quickly uh, when it looked like some things were going to be um, shutting down. So they shut down pretty quickly, and we have no anticipated uh return to service sort of date yet so um we're just praying for those guys and uh, waiting waiting to see how all this shakes out all right it's uh, let everybody know it's 24 minutes to eight the question that uh, we have in front of us wondering what the bible guys think of all the constitutional violations happening around the country when it relates to pastors being arrested uh, from their churches now i haven't heard of any pastors being arrested uh, i've heard of them being threatened but not arrested about abortion clinics uh, being closed down also i'd like to hear what dave's thoughts are on the constitution of all these seemingly violations and and i'm going to let you get away with saying seemingly violations because that's what I think. these You think it's a violation? It's not a violation of what the Constitution says. Uh, the right to assemble, right to speech, etc. Uh, let me roll back to you, uh, Scott, and to all three of you. You all have acted in pastoral duties. Uh, Scott's the pastor of Agape Church. When the government says to you, you should not meet, how are you supposed to take that, Scott? I mean, I'm thinking from a, a pastoral a, a belief system, you believe that uh, God is uh, your main boss, and mm-hmm. I think we all believe as believers the Lord protects us. Do we believe he protects us from viruses as well as he protects us from anything? Do we really believe it? Yeah. Well, I, I believe that... Um, that I, Ecclesiastical power is solely vested in the the church leadership given by and ordained by the Lord. Um, and I, because I am the pastor of my flock, I am directly responsible for for the before the Lord what I what I do and what I and what I don't do. So I believe that the ultimate call on how we act is uh, that that weighs on my shoulders to make those uh, make those decisions. But obviously, we have civil powers that also have or are being ordained by the Lord, and we have to find a way of working with them. I think that it kind of goes like, you know, as long as the civil authority is fought, is submitted to the Lord as well, then there can be a wonderful um, working together. But if civil authority is going to violate biblical authority, then I have to do like my predecessors did, and they say we have to obey God rather than man. Um, so if they say... Right. For example, you cannot meet. End of story. Period. Um, then, then you know the question has to be: Why are they saying that? You know, there are times where I decide we're not going to meet. For example, we have a snowstorm. I decide we're not going to meet because I want my people to be safe. I don't want to put anybody's life in in danger. So, but I get to make that call. Um, now, if the government is doing this and they're exclusively targeting churches. Uh, and, and churches exclusively, then I think we have great cause to, to push back um, against that. If they're doing it because they're wanting to keep everybody safe, uh, then I think that we have to really take that to the Lord and consider uh, what they're asking and why they're asking it. Apart personally, there's an issue when, when they say we don't want any more than 10 people in a building, yet 
the Congress can meet with 400 people in a building, or Walmart can meet with hundreds of people in the building. And when you check your when you check out your groceries, Dave, you're standing three feet away from a cashier, and they're touching every single piece of food right. in your cart. Yep. And that's and that's okay for them. Or yes, you can still have. And there was one pastor in Florida that was arrested, by the way. Oh, really? And, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he and he actually had his, he took his church. He put them into two different services. He separated the people according to the government standard, and he installed a $100,000 hospital-quality air purification system as well, and he was still arrested. And, uh, you know, and if you're going to arrest pastors who are 15 and 20 feet apart uh, protesting, peacefully protesting abortions, yet you don't arrest the doctors who are inside who are less than six inches away from a woman— performing an, oper- uh, an abortion, which is not an essential um, thing, then I think there's a lot of double standard going on, which I yeah, think I agree. that in itself empowers pastors to say, you know what, you are being hypocritical in the standards you're putting here, and and then they have to take the position they feel in God is leading them to, uh, do, to take. I personally, I'm having Passover in the parking lot because I'm trying to work with the civil authorities as much as I can. But at the same time, this is a high holy day. You know, this is this is a, a, a time where we're meant to assemble together, where we're meant to, to, to be uh, a body. It's the greatest day of the year. The Bible says that if there's no resurrection, then our preaching is in vain. It's the greatest day of the, um, of the ecclesiastical calendar. So we're... We're doing what we can to work with the with the government, but at the same time, we're not forsaking assembling ourselves together uh, at this uh, at this moment in time. Well, I'm telling you what. After what I saw at Lowe's yesterday, there's no church around that should be found, you know, uh, guilty of something because Lowe's was just packed yesterday of people yeah. stopping by to buy, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, mulch and plants and all kinds of stuff. It was yeah. crazy. In Jacksonville, right. at least it was. There had to be thousands of people there, right? And so, and so, why why is that okay? I mean, is it a, is it an essential thing that you have to buy a, a flower to pop, to plant? Is that an essential function? Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not advocating that we shut the country down, but when you have hypocritical standards, you know, this this is a sad something very sad. I'll say this real quickly, then I'll yield to the other guys. Somebody posted on Facebook today, and it was appreciation appreciation and then it showed lots of emojis for the people who they're appreciating during the crisis and it was doctors and nurses and truck drivers and grocery stores and uh, restaurants and all this but one thing that was not on there was churches and pastors Mm -hmm. right you know why because we're absent we're absent from this whole thing the restaurants still get to serve food albeit through the drive-through the trucks are still driving. The grocery stores are still open. It's almost like there's a portion of society, to one degree or another, that's allowed to function, but not the churches. And when I saw that the church was not even mentioned, I thought that was a knife through the heart. This is our moment to make a difference, and we're absent from the from the from the civil conversation here. So yeah, I'm, that's my soapbox. I'll get off the yeah, as I, Well, you're, this whole hour is your soapbox, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Steve, your thoughts? Um, I got nothing to add to that. I thought it was perfect. Okay. <laughs> Billy? Yeah, I will say that uh, now I, I will say that I've had a really difficult time 
this year uh our our tradition for meeting is that we uh on passovers that we always serve brisket and uh i generally get that from someone else and it has been very difficult to find a barbecue joint that is open right now so uh, i've actually got brisket cooking right now uh i I don't care about the orders at this point as scott pointed out this is a high holy day and i have a biblical commandment to meet so uh, the group that I generally gather with on Passover, and it's going to be larger than 10, so apologies to whoever wants to get upset about that, but we will be joining together, and we will be doing uh, what is uh, not only required, but is um, the biggest joy of my year. This this is the holiday that I look forward to all, yeah. this is the high holy day I look forward to all year long. This is one of the, it was, it was Passover, and the examination of um, for me at the time, Easter, that finally brought me to the point where I went, hey, something is wrong with the traditions that I have up to this point, and caused me to begin looking at Scripture differently. Uh, if it were not for Passover and not being able to count from Good Friday to, to Sunday and finding three days and three nights, because that really is part of what started that journey for me, um, and, and the decision to adopt Passover instead that kind of led me to start the journey that I'm currently on. So Passover holds this near and dear and special place in my heart, and there's no way I'm giving it up because some government official said, you can't. Um, the answer is I can and will until you drag me out of here in handcuffs, and uh, I will then attempt to do it as best I can wherever I land when you've got me in handcuffs. So, um, yeah, I, I, gonna I just... Since we're going to shift the Passover, can we do that now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I think about this because, you know, the, of course, the First Amendment does say that we have the free, freedom of speech and the, and the right to assemble, um, and and we're being we're being told that we should we're being asked not to do that. All right. and, and let me just can I jump in real quick? And sure. Scott, this is this is the point that I point out to people. On, on Facebook that are talking about constitutional rights, as long as the government is saying to you, we're asking you to, to please uh, stay six foot apart and things of that nature, it's yeah. different than if they say we're declaring martial law and mm-hmm. you must do these things. You cannot assemble. You cannot uh, freely speak. You can, you know... When, when we yeah. get to that point, then it all changes. We haven't got, as far as I'm concerned, we haven't got to that point yet. So I got to get in. I got to get in because I'm sorry, but can we save that for the next hour, Dave? Because we got 15 minutes left and we are coming, as Billy was saying, into the la- into the, the greatest week in history. And I think we need to spend the last 15 minutes talking about that. Okay. So I don't know if we, we will talk to go about on a Passover. Yep, we got to yeah. get the break in. Passover is next when we come back, as well as is this demonic, the coronavirus? We'll get to that too. On uh, here with the with the Bible guys on the Dave Ellswick Show, one hundred one one FM. The answer. Well, don't forget about PI Roofing and what they're able to do uh, for you, and especially during this time of coronavirus. Uh, with today's technology, PI Roofing is able to offer state-of-the-art video communications to keep everyone safe, your family, 
their working family. They're uh, turning the crisis uh, in a way that they have new ways to connect with the customers to help you solve your problems. Don't let your roof be a concern. Whatever it is, just contact PI Roofing, and they're going to do their very best for you. They offer emergency assistance, flexible payment options, video conferencing, non-invasive appointments, uh, express production times, and peace of mind. During the coronavirus pandemic, we're adjusting the way that they do business. Contact them at 707-3554 or piroofing.com and let them know that I told you to give them uh, a call. All right, so guys, uh, before we get to, uh, to the Passover, demonic plagues, real thing or not? Or not? Um, you mean whether or not this is demonically driven kind of thing? Yes. Hmm. I can't think of anything on top of my head. Can you, Pastor Scott? No. No. I, I don't no. know that there's a reference that I can think of. All right. Then let's move to Passover. High Holy Day, as far as the Christian church is concerned, uh, not taken as seriously by Christianity as it should be, uh, misunderstood by a lot in the Jewish community as just being a historical exercise. Uh, Passover is a very important opportunity to really uh, understand your faith. I'll turn it over to you, Scott. Uh, yeah, most uh, most certainly, it is uh, it is the celebration of the resurrection, and it is um, what most of the world would call Easter. It's a part of the Passover week, but it really is this um, the celebration of the fact that the blood of a lamb defeated uh, the greatest enemy of the ancient world, that being Egypt, and because of the blood. The angel of death passes us by and leads us into the promise and leads us into uh, leads us into life. Uh, it is the greatest moment. Like I said, Paul even said, if, if there is no resurrection, then our preaching is in vain. The resurrection is what it's all about. And actually, the resurrection as a part of the Passover story is actually the celebration of what is known as first fruits, uh, referring to the first fruits from the uh, uh, from the dead. Easter has eclipsed it, um, and you know we think about rabbits and eggs as opposed to uh, the Passover lamb and um, the unleavened bread. And there has to be a, a fundamental shift in the way that we do things. And because it's a celebration of being delivered from the plagues and the plague of death, uh, you know, let's, let's think about this moment we're in. We're living under a plague, and what better time to celebrate? We cannot let a plague on the land stop us from celebrating the celebration about being delivered from a plague on the land. You know, this, Amen. This time we, we, we've got to let, let our light shine at this moment. Um, that we're, we're celebrating that the blood of the Lamb still endures. We've actually encouraged our people. We said, let's make this a part of our Passover celebration this year. Passover starts on Wednesday night. So I've asked all my church to hang, take a scarlet cord or some red lights or something and put them over the doorpost of your house as a declaration that in the midst of this plague, the blood of the Lamb is on the doorpost of our house, and this plague is passing us by. Amen. This is, the, right now, is such an extraordinary and unique time, because this is going to be, I've heard that people and rabbis in Israel talk about it, that this is the first time since the original Passover that all of the Jewish people 
will be keeping it as it was 3,500 years ago. They will all be in their homes. They will all be within their families because they are avoiding the plague that is in the land. And because of the way I view the resurrection and the, and the crucifixion, this is also the exact same time on a Wednesday that the Messiah was actually crucified and was able to spend three days and three nights. So we have both events coming together as never before. And this is the thing that drives our faith. This was prophesied in Genesis 15, Genesis 23, Genesis 49, the book of Exodus, the book of Daniel, all over the place that this day and this event was prophesied. That's why it's important to remember and to celebrate and to rejoice, even in the midst of all of this chaos. So don't be afraid of the plague that's in the land, but be rejoicing over what's coming this Sunday in the resurrection. This is, as Pastor Scott is saying, this is our time, and this is what we should be declaring. Not fearful of what the government's doing, not fearful of what's going on in the land, not even fearful about jobs and finances, but the fact that we have our eternal souls saved. This is the time we should be rejoicing more than any other time in 3,500 years for the original Passover, 2,000 years since the crucifixion. This is that time. And so celebrate it in your house and rejoice and celebrate. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. (laughs) Good stuff. I'm I'm, going to guess that it's uh, it's been a couple of weeks since Steve's been behind a pulpit. He's wound up this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I love this I, As Billy said, I love this one more than any other Because I could yeah. sit here for hours And talk about the parallels and the pictures That were painted wow. That we have missed in the church It's what drives us in what we do in, our, in the way that the three of us believe And the way Pastor Scott pastors that church The way we teach our school The way we live our lives Because the church has been robbed for 2,000 years About the greatest event in hum, human history And all of its forms yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're you're exactly right. You're right on it. I just we've done uh, Passovers at New Life Church that I've helped lead, as you guys know. And after those people and guys, you've been involved in them. You know as well as I do. After that is done, the group comes that typically comes up to you, and they're in tears because they've never mm-hmm. been shown this. Yeah, and they feel they feel. Like they they've been robbed of something in their life that something was withheld. Well, they have uh, been. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think we all went through that moment, and like Billy said, it's that moment you realize that that it spurs you on to to dig and to know more. Yes, yeah, the truth. It got me started. That's that's when mm-hmm. I went to your house and went through a Passover a Seder. I got to mm-hmm. tell you, that's what spurred me to start reading all the different books and 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 comparing a lot of different things. Uh, that I had never compared before. I w- look. I'm one of those guys who went to seminary or cemetery, decide, uh, you know, which way you want to look at it. And the bottom line is, a lot of the stuff that I was taught was wrong. Yeah, wrong. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. wrong. And yeah. uh, and I've been unlearning a lot of stuff over the last. I guess it's been about four years, has it not, Scott? It's been about four years now. It's been that's amazing. It's been that long. Yeah, I mean it was. It was during uh, just before uh, uh, Trump was running for president. It may have been five years. I mean, there, there's been a, a huge difference in my thought process. Guys, we're out of time. You know, I'm just asking you, go online, Google Passover, find out how to do it, and do it at your home Wednesday night. Guys, thanks so much for being with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll do it again next Tuesday.
Thanks, Dave. All right. We'll let them all go. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Elizabeth's final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show coming up. To the final hour of a Tuesday show as uh, we continue the Dave Ellswick show on 1011 FM, The Answer. Elizabeth is back with us now as the Bible guys make their way to uh, work in their churches and in their other jobs that they do uh, during the course of a week. Uh, and uh, some interesting answers during the last uh, Bible guys segment that we had today. Uh, I would Again, highly recommend if you've not done Passover with your family that you do that. Uh, Wednesday is Passover and uh, something for you to do. Uh, it, it's not difficult. You can get everything you need very easily. I'm, I'm going to assume, to be honest with you here, that m- most of the uh, things that you'll need, unleavened bread and uh, some grape juice and things of that nature or some wine and, and the things that you need for uh, Passover are going to be available because the majority of Americans don't celebrate it. Uh, you have a better chance of finding that than you do uh, marshmallow eggs, to be honest with you. All right, so let, let's move back with Elizabeth now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And Elizabeth, uh, something that we have talked about here on this show before, uh, this hour going to be a little bit more uh, serious than our first hour this morning was because there wasn't really a lot of uh, breaking news that we needed to cover. Uh, and, you know, there's only so many ways that I can ask people uh, to you know, do social distancing and things of that nature. But uh, the bottom line is that uh, uh, State Senator Trent Garner has now uh, begun to ask the state legislature to pull funding from these offices uh, trying to bring Chinese uh, uh, companies to Arkansas. Uh, I think, you know, what he's saying has validity. Uh, The governor is concerned about what he's trying to do, thinking that he's trying to basically kill the whole cow when you don't need to kill the whole cow. So you've got the story there with you. Why don't you give us all of the information and then uh, we can kind of jump off from that point? Well, I think he filed this amendment. I think it's an amendment to the uh, Department of Commerce appropriations for our fiscal year 2020 to 2021. He wants to cut off the money that the Arkansas Economic Development Commission is spending on our China liaison offices. The article says we spend about $285,000 a year. Uh, says the commission's spokesperson says they're going to scale that back in the coming year to just focusing on existing Chinese business. 
But of course, Mr. Garner, uh, Senator Garner is referencing the issue with China, not telling us about this virus situation. And of course, the governor's office says that is very short-sighted and isolationist. Okay, so with that, like a, a tussle. Yeah. With that said, uh, I think this is something. It's the the virus is important to me. Don't I don't want people to think that I'm saying that that China didn't lie to the world and all that. They did. There is no doubt in my mind that they did. They they led this whole world with the thoughts that. This virus was not uh, as bad as it was, that we didn't have to worry about widespread uh, communicability. Uh, it couldn't be passed person to person. All of that is true. However, what's more uh, concerning to me is what the, the, uh, the AG of the United States has been saying in that the, uh, you have to understand all the businesses in China – are communist in basis because they're under a communist government and that the communist government is using these businesses as an opportunity to infiltrate and spy on other countries. Agreed or disagree? Definitely agree. There is no question about it, and I think we've been looking the other way and, and actually inviting them in, my opinion, inviting them into our state. We already know that China, the very first thing they do when they get a presence in the United States is they start taking intellectual property, either visibly and consciously or without our knowledge, every single time. So I've wondered for quite a long while why Arkansas, if we need economic development in Arkansas, and this is generic before the pandemic. Why don't I mean, there's plenty of economic opportunity in our country. Why do we need to go to China? I really I agree with Senator Garner. Well, I'm back to the whole thing of if the if businesses are nothing more than a front for the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, if that's all they are and they are readily used to infiltrate businesses and the government of this country and uh, are looking to overthrow our form of government, why should we be making it available to them as well as why should we be giving them taxpayers' money to come into our states? That That's the, the question for me. That's what... The attorney general is saying he's out there, um, you know, blowing the bugle of uh, be aware. And people have forgotten that, though I and and I'm one of those people who believes that open uh, business practices, uh, you can practice some of that with your enemies, hoping that they get to be more of your friend by doing that, but you also have to look at the flip side of the coin that maybe they're not looking to be your friend, that they're still your enemy and they're looking at a way of being able to exploit you by being part of uh, your economic system. I think being isolationist at this point perhaps is not a bad approach from a couple of different angles. First of all, until China, and they may never recognize or or realize uh, they've pretty much dirtied themselves in the whole world. 
no one after this has settled down is going to want to have much to do with China. I think, on the other hand, our government probably has been a little um, hypnotized by the idea that China is a you know, wide open economic opportunity and there's so many people there and we can make so much money. I think it was blind. I think we blinded ourselves to what we now are becoming very well aware of in so many areas about China and how they have manipulated various parts of our culture to be in America. And they've used every one of those avenues to get back at us. They're not there. They are not our friends, you know. Um, I'm thinking of the Confucius Institute and all that information we learned yes. about this so-called educational endeavor. We have a Confucius Institute at UCA in That's Conway, correct. Arkansas, and they are known for using those uh, uh, relationships to spy on our country. Why are we inviting these people in and welcoming, welcoming them? Yeah, I think that, uh, like I said, these are things that the attorney general talked about, uh, uh, Mr. Barr, and they're serious things to be uh, 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 talked about the way China has handled the coronavirus. I I think uh, personally that they have uh, they have worked to isolate themselves from the world, not for the world to isolate themselves from them you know what i'm saying i I think that the way the chinese are acting right now especially with the coronavirus that uh, if you can't trust them about something that deals with people's health you can't trust them about anything and we should have known that from square one i'm sorry i'm a child of the cold war i was raised to understand and know exactly what communism is And it's still out there, and it's probably more prevalent today because we've ignored it for a few decades here and pretended like it really had gone away. It never went away. Those people never stop. Reminds you of somebody else you know? Anyway, never stop, and I believe that China, (laughs) we need to cut them out right now. Isolationism. If you're looking at economic development, I just do not believe that there's not plenty of opportunity everywhere else in the world, including in our own country, first. I believe America first. There are plenty of people here that need work, especially now. But before this occurred, we've got plenty of opportunity here. I just don't know why we feel like we have to go across the across the world to China, of all places. I'm disagreeing. Well, it's very simple. It's very it's very simple that uh, the people who have taken their companies over to China are looking for cheap labor. Uh, They can find cheaper labor in China, even with cost of the products coming back across the pond than they can even find in Mexico and Central America. That should tell everybody how cheap the labor is. Labor is the most uh, cost-intensive piece of a business. So with that in mind, that's what they were looking to get around, and they allowed their greed, and that's what it came to. Thank their, you. To get their to get their profits, so they could raise the the, the price of their stock, they went to uh, to China. Uh, and again, I go back with having open trade with China can lead to good things, but thus far we've seen it lead to nothing but bad things with the Chinese, except that we've seen lower costs. Lower costs cannot be the 
only thing that we look at. We've got to look at, uh, you know, if you're a company, how well do they make the products and all of the rest. But lastly, are they to be trusted? Are they now trying to use our very companies as a tool to uh, infiltrate our country and things of that nature? I mean, good example is 5G. Uh, China's leading 5G right now, but they're, and they're trying to get into all these businesses. And the, the question is, can we uh, trust? Can there, we trust? There is no question. The there Chinese? is no question. We know we cannot trust Huawei, who is the major player in 5G. We know, we know for a fact that they have built backdoor. Uh, exits into all of this stuff so that they can spy on people by using their technology. Again, we know this. Why are we willingly and knowingly bringing it in? Oh, because it's cheaper. Well, okay, today I pay less money, and what are the benefits? What are the negative benefits down the road? I, I I say they're going to be a lot more costly than that little bit of money you saved on your labor today. I think it's very, you know, the governor says Mr. Garner is short-sighted. I think it's short-sighted to think that it's okay to chase after cheap labor. Well, that and, yeah, there's a lot of Chinese companies that are looking to get good workers here in the United States. But uh, there's other companies of, uh, here in the country that are looking for that. Go out there and make them a deal to bring them to Arkansas. Again, there's so much opportunity. I just cannot believe that we can't find whatever opportunity we're looking for anywhere else except from a country that only wants to use its presence here to spy on us and to basically they are setting up for world dominance. They're sure trying it. Whether well, it's on purpose what... or not about this virus, they're setting they're trying to set them up set themselves up for world dominance. Oh, uh, we'll tell the world now how well we're doing in controlling the virus and how we've sent medical informa- uh, medical supplies all over the world to help everybody. No, that's not what's going on. That's the propaganda. I also remember that term from the 50s. It's government right, tw- information. All right, 20 minutes after 8, we've got to get a break in. Let's do that. Uh, it's a subject that... We need to talk more about. I'm going to go on YouTube this afternoon. Uh, Elizabeth will do so, too. And if she finds it before I do, she'll let me know where it's at. But this speech that Barr gave uh, a couple of months ago dealing with this particular instance, we'll find it. We'll play that back for you tomorrow. Don't forget that tomorrow we're going to have somebody on that's going to talk specifically to you about the Small Business Administration, about uh, being able to get the grants for small businesses, and we're going to talk about the checks that uh, Americans are supposed to get. People have been asking me, hey, look, I didn't work last year. I don't have any any uh, money. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Do I get one of these checks? I don't have that answer person will have on tomorrow will. Hey, according to Forbes, the meltdown in the stock market can be great news for you. Uh, This could be a huge opportunity right now to save big money on taxes in retirement. Learn how with a free tax reduction analysis by phone or video conference. No going into the offices, none of that. Don't have to sit right next to somebody and work this out. You can do it over the phone or over the computer. Uh, And you can do that from David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock. If you've saved more than $400,000, 
callers. Be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3315. This big drop in the stock market, uh, and which is seems to be maybe healing itself a little bit, uh, could be your window of opportunity to save tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. You can learn how by calling 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Let's get your traffic. Do that right now. 101.1 FM, The Answer. Okay, we're back here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 825 uh, by my clock here at the dining room of Dave Ellswick, where we're doing uh, the show at uh, while we're doing social distancing and whatnot. Uh, our Our GM is a man who lives in Florida and spends his time in Florida and then in uh, Arkansas as well, has been told that now he'll be uh, doing uh, not coming back to Little Rock for probably a month uh, because of uh, no flying. Uh, And uh, he's like me. He's in the high risk zone. Let's just uh, put it that way. All right. I had said that that uh, speech was with uh, the AG bar, and it was not. He's spoken about that. But the speech, I'm thinking, is uh, Pompeo, Secretary of State, directed his comments directly at uh, governors of the different states. And evidently our governor, Governor Hutchinson, uh, didn't give it much credence uh, about what the the Secretary of State was saying. We're going to find that speech. I I found the Fox News article about it. Uh, That Fox News article is back from, um, let me look here and see. It was February 8th. Okay, back, back in on, early February. Okay, so it's been a couple of months. So, bottom line, uh, you know, we're looking, looking at uh, all of that as far as that's uh, concerned. Uh, that's the the thing that I want you to consider uh, is what Pompeo said. We're going to find that speech, and uh, if we can't if we can't play it uh, uh, tomorrow, I I'm sure we'll have it by Thursday. So I'll look for it. Uh, Elizabeth's going to look for it. Heidi's going to look for it. We will find it and we will play it for you because it's really important for you to hear it. We we played some pieces from it, but I like to play the whole section uh, where he talked to the governors about this so that you hear it. And then I'd like you, uh, when we do it, you can either take it from uh, our podcast or you can take it from our uh, Facebook a live show and uh, share it with as many friends as you possibly can. Because I'm, a, I go along with what the state senator is ha- uh, is saying. We have got to change our thought process uh, about uh, you know the, the Chinese uh, as far as how we're dealing with them because of the way they're dealing with us. That well, and that, you know, we gotta we gotta be honest about that. Well, let's think about this. On February eighth, not too many people, especially in Arkansas, were very concerned about what China didn't tell us about this virus. Okay, and yet, Mr. Uh, Mike Pompeo addressed the National Governors Association that weekend, and he spoke for twenty minutes about China's threat. The part I found most chilling 
was when he spoke to the governors telling them that China has a list of every one of you governors and every one of you's on it and out by your name it says favorable unfavorable and you tell me what that's all about i don't think it's about fair trade i don't think it's about treating the united states as an equal partner in the world he all right, we, yeah we have found the speech now uh, good job, Elizabeth. And I have forwarded to Heidi. Heidi, if you'll drop that uh, into our uh, uh, archives, we'll use that sometime uh, tomorrow, and we'll use it again on Thursday. It uh, it belays being played twice uh, for people to hear what uh, uh, Pompeo. Uh, you know, he, he's a great Secretary of State. I believe. I think he's done. Uh, an admirable job. Okay, we're coming up on Sean Hannity. When we come back, I uh, do want to talk about uh, uh, some different things. I think Asa has taken uh, some uh, abuse about, you know, I'm one of those people will heap abuse, and I have, but I will also say that some of the abuse he's taken dealing with not having a stay in, uh, you know, house type of uh saying, I don't think that's abuse that he should be taken. 25, make it 24 minutes till uh, 9 o'clock. And, you know, there's things that Asa Hutchinson does as governor of this state that really does get under my skin terribly. And I, I let you know when those things are. But there's other times that people just give him unmitigated crap for really... I don't think anything at all. For instance, I think he's done uh, a good job uh, dealing with this uh, coronavirus outbreak uh, within uh, our, uh, our our state. For instance, I was reading some uh, letters to the editor to the Arkansas Times, and I can hear some people right now saying, well, that should tell you, Dave, that they're going to be against him. It's the <laughs> Arkansas Times. But the, you should have read some of this stuff. It's just absolutely ridiculous, some of the things that they say, uh, as though if they put a, you know, a stay in place, a SIP or a stay at home or whatever you want to call it, uh, order out. And uh, even, I mean, do you want the military traveling the highways of Arkansas and pulling over people and asking to see forms from them saying that they don't have a reason to be out. I mean, that's the only way uh, you can really crack down on this in such a way that people are going to stay in their homes. I mean, people are going to do what people do. Uh, and I love it. Un- unless you're going to, you know, uh, have a $10,000 fine or you're going to put them behind bars or whatever you're going to do, uh, then uh, don't say that you can have some kind of governmental uh, program that's going to stop people being exactly where they're going to be. Now, I will agree with you that, let's say, you're uh, Lowe's and I'm, I'm driving past Lowe's yesterday as I was coming from the doctor's. And this is in Jacksonville, and the place was overflowing with people. I mean, overflowing. They had people lined up in their cars uh, with flatbed trailers behind them uh, to load up on, uh, you know, flowers and bushes and things of that that nature. Folks, 
I'm going to say that Lowe's should rethink their policy about what they're doing. Uh, I was talking uh, to somebody from Home Depot, and uh, Home Depot is not going to put uh, their um, uh, the wood chip stuff uh, that they usually put out. Yeah, the mulch. Six bags uh, for like $5 or six bags for $10 or whatever it is on sale because they know what kind of crowd that's going to cause. And so they're holding off on that. And I give them all kinds of credit in the world. They've also gone to only so many people inside of Home Depot at a given time. I've listened to people bitch and moan and complain about Walmart saying that, they're, they're holding people to only so many into Walmart right now. Well, let me just say this. If you dummies out there, wouldn't you say, see it as a family vacation to go to Walmart and you're taking your whole frickin' family to Walmart, they wouldn't have to do that. But, Dad, if you've got to run over and pick up a few items from the grocery store, you don't need to take Junior and your daughter and your wife and your cousin and everybody else with you. That's not necessary. Use some common sense. Use some common sense. Perhaps what they need to do at Walmart is like they do at the hospital. When I go to the hospital, I go in, they take my temperature, they put a... They put a, uh, uh, a thing stuck on my uh, shirt that says what my temperature is. It's got the date on it. So they only got to do it once. They don't have to do it several times if I leave and come back and whatnot. But if my wife wants to go in, they'll let her go in. But if anybody was else was with me, they couldn't come in. Maximum two people. Why don't they do that at Walmart or at, uh, you know, these places and say maximum two people? I would think that's better than saying only so many, you know, maybe 400 people at a time inside a Home Depot. But to give Asa all this grief about it, I think that's crap. I think it's pure, you know, BS. If you want to live in totalitarian government, go live in China. They're doing it really well over there, I understand. I mean, well, is this you, not a, is this not a symptom of folks who believe that daddy government is there for everything and everybody and every single need or want that yeah, we should ever I have? I don't think I don't think they even understand what they're saying. Uh, I don't Elizabeth. think they do either. They're, they don't know in, what they're asking for. And I China, think it's interesting. Go ahead. Finish up. No, go ahead. I think it's interesting yeah. that we have all these experts on Facebook now all of a sudden, the experts on, you know, medical situations and isolation and how to control this pandemic that even our experts don't really know it's beyond scope. But, boy, all the experts on Facebook, they know exactly what we need to do. Now, here's the key. In China, do you know how that they're, they're controlling the population? In some parts of China, not on all of them, but in some of the most... Uh, populated areas, they have welded the doors shut of people's apartments so they can't get out. Yeah, they have sent governmental police and yanked people out of their homes and taken them away. We saw all those videos early on, and you don't see so much of that now. I don't want to live in a country like that. We We are the land of the free. My husband used to give a presentation. Land of the free, home of the oblivious. Because we have had so many freedoms and so much economic opportunity and and prosperity, we have become very, very weak. We do not understand 
what valuable things we have in our country when we get our freedom. And therefore, well, we have to work together and take care of each other. And we're wanting the government to tell us what to do. That's what right these people now, are saying. The, well, right now, the government is telling us what they think we should do. They're allowing us to make the decision to do to it or to not do it. If you, you know, I read people say, well, maybe we need martial law. Get down on your knees and pray and Please. thank God that we have not had martial law that I know of yet erupt in like New York or Philadelphia or anywhere where or riots we've got, in the streets either. Where yeah, where we've got armed troops out on the streets of America and they'll tell you what to do and you better do it because if you don't do it They'll use the power of their of of their uh, office to make you do it. And if you Look don't, happened, there have been people who have been shot because of that. Well, those first two, there was a doctor early on in China who wanted to talk about this. And, of course, you know, he disappeared and then he died from the virus. There was an emergency Supposedly. room female doctor talking about it fairly recently. And I have not seen what happened to her. She disappeared three weeks ago, just disappeared. Yeah, and, China picked and, her you, up and took I'm her just away. Telling she people, was speaking out look, of turn. I was in the military, and I know what happens if they declare martial law. And the people of this country do not want any part of it. They don't want any part of it. I don't want to have our military men and women be forced into that type of a situation. Oh, you know? that would be a nightmare. Tell, look what's happened, you, look what's happened yeah, with but, law enforcement over the 2A issue in Virginia. You've got a huge well, amount of uh, law enforcement folks saying, no, 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 we're not going to do this. If our government decided to institute martial law, I think we would have, I don't know, how many people out of the military would just abandon their military because they're not yeah, going to well, follow those laws. But here's the key. There's a difference between a government saying that the Second Amendment doesn't, doesn't uh, exist and a president of the United States or a governor of a state saying because of what's happening, riots or uh, this pandemic is so bad that he declares martial law. Now, there, there's a difference between the two sure. of them. That's something that we've sure got to understand. Is. But And so I would think if, if I were in the military and I was told that I was going to be asked to put in martial law because my commander said that our uh, commander in D.C. had said that it should be done, That's what we're I, doing. Would follow, I would follow the orders on that because I'm not a, they're not asking me to do anything that's unlawful at that point at, from the commander in chief. I just everybody's got to understand that if if it gets that bad, folks, we don't it's going to be a bad time in America. You think people are dying now if they have to declare martial law? It's because tens, if not hundreds of thousands are dying quickly because of whatever the pandemic is. We don't want any, any part of that. No, we don't. According to let's let's be a little bit positive here, because according to what we're hearing as of yesterday's news, that maybe some of this um, peak is plateauing in some of the hot spots. So, I mean, we're talking about possibilities that I hope at this point are not likely. 
And uh, But I'm just wondering what would happen in this land of the free, where we all believe that, mistakenly, that our freedom means that we do anything we want, whether we agree with the government or not. I don't think that's what it means. I really no. don't. I think our freedoms have responsibilities that go along with them, and that is why we have our freedoms. You have a responsibility yep. to be a good citizen of this country and be, I, I, I call it being grateful for the freedoms. I agree. You know, with when you. you're staying home to you. try to take care of your neighbors, then you're being a patriotic American and you're helping everybody. And yeah, we I need just, every one of us. I just us want to do everybody. That. I want everybody to understand, Elizabeth. I'm not saying they're going to declare martial law. That's not what I'm oh, saying. Oh, I know that. I know that. I'm, I'm but we saying, don't want to go there. I, <laughs> I just want everybody to hear what I'm saying. You who are on there bitching about Asa all the time, he should do this. He should tighten up that. If you want that, you you need to go to China, where they they have well, instituted exactly. you know the control of their government taking care of everything, not letting their people big make daddy any government. decisions yeah. that it wants. You know, yeah. it's, it's more than just Big Daddy at that point. It, it is the only thing at that point. It is the government. Well, you you and this don't is what they want believe, that. The government provides everything. Government provides everything you'd ever want or need, and you just sit back and receive. No, no I, I, don't, I, you know, I don't think I don't all of them that. think that. I don't think all of them think that. Here's what I think a lot of them are thinking. I'm scared. That's what they're thinking. I'm scared. And uh, they want to go back to the way it has been in the past. And I'm just going to tell you, uh, we'll get Never there. Again. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time. We'll get there. Uh, but some things are going to change. I don't know how people will react for quite a while about big crowds. Although, i got to tell you this. This is my feeling. When the Super Bowl comes next year, wherever it's being held out at, it'll be packed. It'll be packed. People will be there to see the game. Twelve minutes till nine. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got more to talk about. Here as we uh, go uh, to the last few moments, Elizabeth is here. She's joining us in the last hour. Heidi's back at the studio. Uh, your calls at 8230965. That's all coming your way here now at 1011 FM, The Answer. All right, back. Final, uh, let's make it about five minutes uh, remaining here in today's show. And uh, Elizabeth, uh, people have some pretty good uh, websites out there for information. One of the best that I think that we have, and we were talking about it during the break, and that is uh, Kim Hammer. Uh, State Senator Kim Hammer has the KimHammerShow.com website, and he just keeps that up to date with as much information as he possibly can. That's a brand-new website, and he is pushing out all the updates that he can get his hands on all kind of in one spot. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you said there's a lot of new uh, material today. What are some of the things that he talks about today on his website? Well, we have, of course, Governor um, Asa Hutchinson's update from yesterday and all the details. Uh, Senator Cotton has put out some advice having to do with um, – Oh, Lord, there's so much going on here. Uh, the thing I think, the first thing I saw this morning, churches and religious groups are eligible for the Paycheck Protection Program. That's a very key piece of information coming out of Senator Tom Cotton's office. Um, Arkansas DHS is hiring medical personnel, and there are links there to the different job openings. 
um, the American Diabetes Association and all the information and all the links for people who have diabetes. They are at a higher risk. Of course, when Walmart changed its shopping uh, uh, guidelines, they put that out immediately. He is staying on top of it. Okay, so there, there's some stuff for you to access. I'd highly remember uh, remind Carlton Wings, State Representative Carlton Wings' website uh, is uh, definitely a good place to go as well on Facebook. Uh, I would remind you about that. Yesterday, during the uh, national presser, uh, Anthony Fauci, Fauci, is it Fauci? Is that how you pronounce it? His name, F-A-U-C-I? Fauci. Okay, Fauci. The Italian the di- boy, Fauci. Okay. The director <laughs> of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases told the press briefing uh, that the world may never return to the normal that was known before the outbreak. And what he means by that, as you read further into the story, is uh, he says, and uh, I'm going to quote him here. Let me find it real fast, uh, what he has to say. Uh, He said, um, he said, uh, this was on Sunday, that people must be prepared uh, that we're going to see a resurgence of this next year, which is why officials fighting the uh, pandemic are pushing for a vaccine and clinical trials for therapeutic interventions. So we will have interventions that we will not have when this started. And he went on to say, if you want to get back to pre-coronavirus, that might not ever happen in the sense that the threat will always be there. With that said, uh, I've got to say, but we got back to normal and, and we have the flu every year and it kills thousands of people in the United States, tens of thousands of times in the United States alone. I, I think that you know, as human beings, we're all uh, social animals, and we will get back to uh, getting together for big events like we have in the past. That will happen when we have, I believe, a couple of different things need to be in place. We're going to have to have some sort of protection. We've got to have some sort of vaccine or very, very strong therapeutics and the vaccine. We also need, I think, a little bit of herd immunity. Once this thing has had some time to work through our populations all across the world, there will be a little bit more native protection. I don't know. I'm certainly not a medical professional, but one of the problems right now is, well, two problems. Number one, it's a totally unknown virus. Therefore, number two, our medical people are overwhelmed. They do not have. We're now collecting information. This is what Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci talk about all the time. Every day we have more information, and they're you know crunching those data numbers every day, trying to figure out what does this stuff mean in the long range. After it's had a little bit of time, we will know so much more. That's what he's talking about. We want to know, again, America, we want to know right now. By God, we want to know everything about it. Elizabeth, thank you for being with us today. Heidi, thank you for the good work you do back at the station. And make sure you join me tomorrow at 6 a.m. again for the Dave Ellswick Show.